was the opening music to Universal Studios' Bride of Frankenstein, released in 1932, is that right? Uh, April of 1935. Oh, okay, I'm off by a few years there, so 1935. And they probably the... wanted to do it earlier, but they had to have the, all those fancy sets. Oh my gosh, yeah, they really went all out with, uh, with building the <laughs> sets on this one. But... Uh, yeah, it was. It's the sequel to uh, Frankenstein, which we covered in the last episode. So you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews at classicmoviereviews.net, uh, and you can find us on iTunes. Just search for Classic Movie Reviews. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm Bob Johnson, and welcome back to our uh, Classic Movie Reviews. Yeah, so I, I think this is a superior movie to the original. What do you think? Oh, I, I do too. Uh, so many times when a sequel is made, it's not as good as the original, but I think this one exceeds the first one. Yeah, did you watch it's, the making of video at all? I haven't. I, because of all the stuff that was going on here over the weekend, I didn't get a chance to do that. Uh, well, there's How a, was it? It was great. There was a, a quote from Joe Dante which uh, we should listen to real quick. It's an old cliche in Hollywood that a sequel is never as good as the original. But director James Whale set conventional wisdom squarely on its head with Bride of Frankenstein, the crowning achievement of Universal's golden age of classic horror. Never before had a studio lavished so much imagination, production value, and acting talent on a so-called monster movie. But Bride of Frankenstein truly transcended its genre and remains one of the best-loved films ever produced by Universal. For Mary Shelley, who wrote the novel Frankenstein, the attempted creation of the monster's bride had nothing to do with the sequel. It was always part of her original vision. And just how James Whale and Universal Pictures ended up playing matchmaker for Boris Karloff and Elsa Lanchester is quite a story in itself, and, like a good cast, well worth repeating. It does cover the waterfront in terms of uh, subject matter and genre, that's for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, there's humor in there, there's some slapstick, there's horror. There's, it's kind of a gothic... Uh, you know, feel to it. There's some magic, I think you could say almost. Oh yes, with yeah, with the people in those glass jars. Yeah, that was so <laughs> that cool. Was... <laughs> Wasn't that well done? I still am amazed oh, at how well that looked on screen. It was incredible. Almost eighty years ago, and to and to pull that off. Man, I don't know how yeah. they did that, but it was so cool. And then it, the, there's uh... also you know some sci-fi elements with the with the monster as well. So I didn't you know, find that. Uh... His speaking, the creature speaking, I didn't find that to detract from the movie at all. No, I don't think so at all. I think actually, I think it added to it. And I know Boris Karloff was really opposed to having the creature speak. It does add to the the movie. It gives him more of a a soul, I guess. You can identify him with him a little bit more. And there were some great funny scenes, especially with the the hermit in the forest. <laughs> yeah, oh, I kept thinking. I kept thinking, is that really the hermit, or is that another Gene Hackman in disguise? Man, Gene Hackman nailed that, didn't he? And Young Frankenstein. Oh, did he ever? Did yeah, he? And I Madeline Kahn did with the uh, the uh, hair of the bride. That's the funny thing about watching these movies now is that I I keep going back to Young Frankenstein, and I think there's even more of this movie in Young Frankenstein than uh, Frankenstein. Oh, I, you know, I was just about to say the same thing. He, he took more from this one, probably because it was more humorous and had so many different areas that it covered. 
I was kind of disappointed they didn't have like a Dr. Pretorius in Young Frankenstein. I wonder what they could have done with because that he was my favorite part of the movie. He was he was great. I almost think part of Gene Wilder's role in that was was some of that Dr. Pretorius. Yeah, maybe maybe it was kind of a combination of Dr. Frankenstein <laughs> and Dr. Pretorius. I uh, I did my usual looking up of things about the uh, uh, Bride of Frankenstein movie. It had a budget of about four hundred thousand dollars, which in today's money would be about five million. That's still not a lot for a movie. No, and it earned a lot of money uh, over a long period of time. The only thing I could find on that is in nineteen forty-three, it was reported to have earned two million dollars by then, which in today's dollars would be about. 25 27 million so it did okay it won it uh, was nominated for one academy award didn't win and the only nomination was for best sound recording huh uh and that kind of surprised me i thought maybe they may not have had categories for like they do today for special effects and that kind of thing yeah i I doubt they did um but you know speaking of the the sound and the the music um i thought the opening music on this was was great Oh, it was fantastic, um, yes. Yeah, it really set the mood. But there was one part that really got me thinking because uh, the theme music, so like the creature sort of had a theme and then the, the bride of the cre- of the creature had a theme. And the theme for the bride was really similar, if not almost exactly the same as the music that went along with Bally High in South Pacific. And I went back and I, forth I... between the two and... It's really similar, so I don't know if you that alerted was... me to that. So I watch for, or listen for that. Watch for that. Yeah, it's it is similar. It makes me think that maybe both of those came from some classical music from you know the eighteen hundreds or something like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to do a, a little bit more research to figure that out. But the music for the bride, like her theme music, was very sort of romantic and lush, and they were playing that music as they were. You know, bringing her to life in the laboratory, and they were raising her up to the the roof, and and you know, then that music is playing, and so I thought it, I thought that was kind of cool how they had those themes for each of the different creatures or you know characters in the movie. I can really see why they uh, selected James Whale to do the direction on this, and I had a question: the the uh, assistant, the lab assistant. Yeah, that we in the first in our first review or, or two weeks ago, <laughs> we kept calling him Igor, and he wasn't. It was but Fritz. The, it was Fritz. Is that the same actor that played the uh, assistant in the first Frankenstein movie? It sure looked like him. I don't know. Let me look it up real quick because I want to say no. Uh, and. What kind of was jarring as well is the person who played Elizabeth was different. Yes, she was different. 
and I read where the I think they wanted to have that other woman, but she was sick or couldn't couldn't do it. So Fritz was uh, played by Dwight Fry in the first movie, and in the second movie, I don't think it was the same character even. While you're doing that, I was just uh, looking up some background on El- uh, Elsa Lancaster, the bride. And uh, she was a great actress, had a really fine career, and was nominated for two Academy Awards. Oh, Number it, one, but... It was the same guy, but he has a different name. He's Carl in this movie. <laughs> Fritz and Carl. <laughs> Maybe it was his twin brother. Maybe they're twin brothers, Fritz and Carl. No last name, just uh, no last Fritz name. and Carl. Yeah. Well, he didn't really need one because in both of them, he ended up in a bad way. It was funny when they came. Do you remember the scene when they were in the crypt? And they were and and Doctor Pretorius was telling them that they needed to open up these ca- these caskets, and uh, they're like, uh, "This is this. Are you sure we should be doing this?" And then after that scene, they they're coming out of the crypt, and and Carl looks to his uh, buddy and says, "If there's much more like this, what you say, pal? We give ourselves up and let them hang us. That goes for me too. This is no life for murderers." <laughs> Although he liked the money. He liked the money, yeah. And he, he was willing to do quite a bit for the money because for the money. they didn't show it on screen, but he, uh, when they were looking for a heart, Dr. Pretorius uh, looked at Carl, the lab assistant, and said, we need a fresh heart. And it was sort of like they were winking at each other, like, we need a really fresh heart. <laughs> and he goes out and he, and got, he, one. And he got one. And he brings it back, and Dr. Frankenstein's like, this heart is, is great. It's so strong and, and fresh, and where'd you get it? And Carl's kind of like, uh, uh, it was a police case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Obviously, he'd murdered that woman to get the heart, but yeah. Oh, that Dr. Uh, Dr. Pretorius stole the scenes he was in, What didn't he? I mean, it was like, when he was sitting down in that crypt smoking a cigar... And uh, the, the creature, creature shows up. Yeah, <laughs> I love that, that. That was my that was my favorite scene. Uh, I think I watched it over about three or four times because it's he's got this maniacal laugh. <laughs> I give you the monster. And he's sitting there, and he's got this little spread on top of the coffin with his wine and his yeah. food, and he's arranged the the skeleton. It's sort of like a little art art deco type thing here on top of the on top of the coffin, and he's he's just having a grand old time down there in the in the crypt. <laughs> Shall we go kind of through some of the other scenes that we liked? Uh, one of one of mine came early in the movie. It was about twenty twenty one minutes into the movie. And the dialogue uh, includes the words gods and monsters, the quotes. I would like to drink to our partnership. Do you like gin? It is my only weakness. To a new world of gods and monsters. (laughs) Which was later used when they made a movie about James Whale in 1998, that was the title of the movie, Gods and Monsters. I, I didn't realize that when I'd seen this movie before. So yeah, that, I mean, that was that... definitely lifted. It's a great, 
It's a great line. I mean, you could just rift on that and you could you could see where you could make other movies based on that concept of gods and monsters. You know, it's it's great. My my first favorite scene was the opening where they do that thing with Mary Shelley and she's talking about and it was these fragile white fingers that penned the nightmare. There, there. I do think it a shame, Mary, to end your story quite so suddenly. That wasn't the end at all. Would you like to hear what happened after that? I feel like telling you. It's a perfect night for mystery and horror. The air itself is filled with monsters. I'm all ears. While heaven blasts the night without, open up your pits of hell. Well, then. Imagine yourself standing by the wreckage of the mill. The fire is dying down. Soon the bare skeleton of the building will be visible. The gaunt rafters against the sky. The ending of the first movie wasn't the ending of the story, and then she goes into talking about uh, this this story. Uh, and then the woman who played Mary Shelley was is the same woman who played the... Uh, the bride. Yeah, Elsa Lancaster. I love those men as they spoke. They rolled their R's. Yeah. I love the storm. And I love how they're, they're all sitting around uh, in their finest dress. You know, there's just the three of them hanging out, but they're all dressed up like they're ready to go out. And I guess that would be the way they dressed at the time. But yeah, I like that a lot, how they opened it up. And so, then uh, my next one came 13 minutes in, which was uh, Franken's, Dr. Frankenstein is, I think he's laying in bed, recovering, uh, and he's, he's regretting having created the, the creature. You'll soon be better, Henry. I feel almost myself again. As soon as you're strong enough, we'll go away and forget all this horrible experience. Forget? If only I could forget that it's never out of my mind. I've been cursed for delving into the mysteries of life. Perhaps death is sacred, and I've profaned it. Oh, what a wonderful vision it was. I dreamed of being the first to give to the world the secret that God is so jealous of. The formula for life. Think of the power to create a man. And I did. I did it. I created a man. And who knows, in time, I could have trained him to do my will. I could have bred a race. I might even have found the secret of eternal life. Henry, don't say those things. Don't think them. It's blasphemous and wicked. We are not meant to know those things. It may be that I'm intended to know the secret of life. It may be part of the divine plan. No, no. It's the devil that prompts you. It's death, not life that is in it all and at the end of it all. He's very conflicted about what he's done, you know. <laughs> and he's about to do it again. Yes, at the urging of Dr. Pretorius. Septum Pretorius. That, I just love that name. <laughs> Septimus Pretorius. Septimus, Who yeah. up that? Yeah. Septimus Pretorius. So, uh, this, has a lot, this seemed to have a lot of really favorite scenes for me. You know the what was great about thing... it, too, just real quick, is that I didn't have any scenes that I, I really didn't like. Like, there were some scenes in the first movie that I just didn't care for. But I, I was hard-pressed to find any scenes in this movie that I that I didn't like. 
I, I agree. I, I was hoping that they'd have a few more minutes with the bride near the end just so we could see more of her outfit. Yeah, Man, she that was, was scary. I mean, I know she was uh, uh, created from dead parts, but she was she was pretty hot. <laughs> she had that out the gown and the hair. The hair. Well, uh, <laughs> my next favorite scene came about a half hour into the movie where the townspeople have captured the creature. When they tied him up on that pole, it almost looked like a crucifixion scene because he was tied up and roped up and they raise him up and carry him off. I'm thinking, man, that's got some biblical overtones to it, I thought. not only that, uh, in the making of video, they talked about that. And there were other scenes. There was actually about 15 more minutes of the movie that they filmed that they had to cut because of the censors. And there was another scene where it's when the creature is going into the graveyard to escape, like all the villagers who are chasing after him, he pushes over a statue of a bishop. But in the original script, he pushed over the statue of Jesus on the cross, and the censor said, "Well, that's just too—that's too much. It's—it we can't have the creature pushing over Jesus on the cross." Uh, but they, <clears throat> so they instead they have him pushing over this other statue. And I guess there were other things like that that they had cut out. So it was, I think it was pretty blasphemous in a lot of ways uh, in the original script. And there were still things in this movie that I think you could consider that. And you're pointing out one of them. That's true. I, I did, I, I'm going to have to watch that documentary on making of the film. What was your next favorite? Well, there were so many. You skipped over the, my second favorite one. Oh, which... no. The scene with the miniature people. <laughs> oh, I have that as a favorite too. I got it out of order. Oh, it's okay. Uh, there's a there's a line in there that Doctor Frankenstein says. He says, "But this isn't science. It's more like black magic." You think I'm mad? Perhaps I am. But listen, Henry Frankenstein. While you were digging in your graves, piecing together dead tissues, I, my dear pupil, went for my material to the source of life. I grew my creatures, like cultures, grew them as nature does, from seed. But still, you did achieve results that I have missed. Now think, what a world-astounding collaboration we should be, you and I, together. No. No, no, no. Leave the charnel house and follow the lead of nature, or of God, if you like your Bible stories. Male and female created he them. But then they hatch this plan where they're going to create a woman. You know, it's like, again, Dr. Frankenstein is is sort of uh, disgusted by Dr. Pretorius' uh, techniques, but, but realizing that, oh, he has things that I need, and I've I got to continue this quest to create life. And, and those little creatures, there were so many of them. And he the had them all dressed the up and gave them names yeah. and they all played little roles. And and I wondered, like, you know, what he, what he was doing was a lot more akin to what modern day genetic science is, is like, you know, where he I, I guess he was like growing these these creatures. I mean, they don't give you any details, but he does say I grew them. And, and then he was complaining about the ballerina because she would only do one dance. Yeah. <laughs> that guy was outstanding in this movie. I'm kind of surprised he didn't get nominated for some 
like a supporting role. Well, apparently he wasn't really acting. I guess he was really odd like that in real life too. So, um, I mean, I know he was acting, but what they were saying about him was that he was an odd guy. <laughs> and that imagine putting him and Marty Feldman together. Oh man. <laughs> what about you? What's Scary. your next one? Well, let's see. I had the small people. Oh, and then I, I'm probably jumping ahead of some of yours, but when the creature shows up with the uh, at the door of the hermit. my friend, whoever you are. Uh, 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 uh. Who are you? I think you're a stranger to me. I cannot see you. I cannot see anything. You must please excuse me, but I'm blind. Come in, my poor friend. No one will hurt you here. Oh. If you're in trouble, perhaps I can help you. But you need not tell me about it if you don't want to. The kindly oh, blind yeah. Yeah. hermit. That that whole episode is I could watch that fifty times. And then I'd want to watch Young Frankenstein fifty times because it, it they parallel one another. Well, it's, it's funny because uh, that whole scene really gives you a different take on the creature, basically saying that if you're nice to the creature, he'll be nice to you. And the only reason that the villagers are, well, anybody that's come in contact with the creature is, is so upset and mean with them is because of the way he looks. Right. And, right. and because the hermit is blind and, and he thinks that this person or this yeah, this person that's visiting him is is mute. They sort of strike up this friendship. And the what I loved about that scene was the sincerity with which the hermit expresses his gratitude for having somebody visit him because it had yeah. been years since somebody visited him, and he was just so happy. We shall be friends. I have prayed many times for God to send me a friend. <sighs> It's very lonely here, and it's been a long time since any human being came into this hut. I shall look after you, and you will comfort me. Now you must lie down and go to sleep. Yes, yes. Now you must sleep. Our Father, I thank thee that in thy great mercy thou hast taken pity on my great loneliness. And now, out of the silence of the night, 
hast brought two of thy lonely children together and sent me a friend to be a light to mine eyes and a comfort in time of trouble. Amen. I know. And then in payment for that, they burned down his cabin. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. And we don't know what happens to the hermit. Oh, he just gets carried off he with the villagers. He just disappeared. Yeah. Gosh. That, that, when I watched that, I just I thought, oh, that's Gene. He's, I'm, he's channeling Gene Hackman from the future. <laughs> or, yeah, exactly. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Oh, man. Uh, what, what about your next? Well, that one, and then when the creature goes to the graveyard, he stumbles into the graveyard. There's a tree in his way. He just pushes the tree over. Yes, <laughs> out of my way. <laughs> and then he pushes over the statue of the of the bishop, and then he goes down into the crypt. And I, I just, I love that. My favorite part of the movie was that whole scene in the crypt with the the two murderers that come down with Doctor Pretorius, and and then, you know the creature and Dr. Pretorius talking with each other and oh I thought I was alone good evening smog friend yes I hope so have a cigar they're my only weakness uh, the the creature says uh, which I thought was a great line he says do you know who Henry Frankenstein is and who you are? Yes, I know. Made me from dead. I love dead. Hate living. I love dead. Hate living. I so know. you know, he. I think he just wishes that you know this had never happened to him. It never happened to him. I was thinking, though, know, what kind of a person, other than Doctor Pretorius? would set up all that stuff in the crypt and be hanging out. And I was reading where at some point they were thinking of using Claude Rains for the Dr. Pretorius. Oh, that part. wouldn't have been as good. And it wouldn't have been any, it would have been so different because Claude Rains was a sophisticated, uh, articulate, suave guy. And this guy was like, he was like three sheets short of a, load or three well, what is he it, was, three bricks short of a load he was a mad scientist in the most pure kind of mad scientist form you could find i think i mean obviously brilliant and driven but just completely bat shit crazy <laughs> <laughs> no kidding no kidding well he got his comeuppance didn't he wow he did um you know what? What also at that point I realized how beautiful the sets were. I mean, I I'd been noticing that throughout the movie, but just the amount of time they spent in creating that crypt with all the cobwebs yeah. and the the different layers, kind of the of lighting, and it it must have been a pretty good sized set uh, for them to you know come down the stairs in the back and then they they walk through all the way to the front. It was just really really well done. It seems to me that the sets on this movie were were better than the ones on Frankenstein. I think they had more I, money I, to work with, right? So more money, yeah. And the uh, the the hermit's cabin was perfect. And the the forest, they actually had like it was a lush forest scene with like a waterfall and 
and animals and plants. Whereas in the first movie, the only scene of the forest you get is it, the trees all look dead, you know? Yeah. And, and there is a scene in this movie as well as the creatures when he's being captured. That forest scene looks like it's dead. But yeah, they definitely kind of went all out with the the sets on this one. What's your next favorite? Well, it, it, I wanted to kind of loop back to the hermit because I'm hung up on the guy playing the violin out there in the wilds. Yeah. Uh, but the two guys that came to the door that got the whole ruckus started, one of them was John Carradine. That's a right. Famous, from, a famous uh, actor from all... From Grapes of Wrath. He played Grapes the preacher yeah. from Grapes... That's was, where he was from. He, oh, okay. He was in the Grapes of Wrath, and he made lots and lots of movies. And uh, I enjoyed his somewhat short-lived role. My next favorite scene, again, I may be jumping ahead, is when they finally are able to bring to life the bride. And I think they got a better brain for her because well, she he, wanted nothing to do with him. Well, Dr. Pretorius grew that brain. so Oh, he was, grew the brain. He oh, grew okay. it with his whatever technique he had, yeah. He must have had quite a laboratory no down kidding. there in the crypt. <laughs> Hey, was that the same laboratory as the first movie? Because it sure looked like it. It looked it looked like it, and yet it didn't seem to have quite the number of bells and whistles as the first one. But some or of maybe the bells I just and whistles some were. Of it. Well, some of the things were more advanced. It seemed like the way that they raised her up to the ceiling was right. was a more elaborate kind of a machine. But I couldn't tell if it was if it was the same or just very similar. They probably rearranged it and made it look a little different, but probably pretty much the same. And when they raised her up, I thought, all we need is Gene Wilder with those with goggles. goggles. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. Wow. Well, and then in of course, the... we, we, I was going to say, in hindsight, we should have done Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and uh, Abbott and Costello in sequence. Yeah, well. <laughs> We, we could have. have I mean, our I, audience crazy. Yeah, too much Frankenstein, maybe. I don't too know. Too much but, Frankenstein. Um, People might begin to wonder about us. <laughs> well, that, there's that that famous line that's been used in a lot of movies, where uh, Doctor Frankenstein says, "She's alive, alive." You know, and he's. I know. Again, he's got that crazed look on his face. He's he's just he's done it. He can't help himself. Um, what was your next? That well, that was that was mine, and then and then when the the creature tries to get the bride to like him, it, I just I found know. that to be very sad um, and poignant. I mean, it's like she wanted nothing to do with him at all. And I thought to Screaming. myself, well, here's you know, here's this creature that that's just been created. Like, would she even know that the the original creature was so abhorrent, you know, and, and yeah, I just, I wondered like what kind of morality would this thing that had just been created have? Like, so I, I, I struggled with that a little bit as I was watching it to think, well, would she really be so upset by seeing the creature? Um, or maybe, maybe just, she's sort of like so new that everything is kind of shocking to her in a way. Cause do you notice how she just, she didn't move in a smooth way. She sort of jerked her head. And, yeah, she jerked. And it was it was like 
she was like new in this body. She wasn't used to it. And, and just everything was kind of probably overwhelming to her. And then this thing comes lumbering in and, and tries to touch her and try. So maybe it was more that not so much that the creature was uh, scaring her or abhorrent to her in the way that he was to the villagers, but maybe it was just like, don't touch me. Don't, you know, don't do anything. I'm just, I'm like freaked out right now by everything that's happening. So I don't know. That's kind of how I took it. I think that's probably right. I, I also noticed that she walked kind of herky-jerky with her hand out, her arm out, over to try to be with the doctor to stay away from the creature, like a like a child almost well, like a, a parent. Well, like a child who, exactly, exactly, like a child who is going out to like a busy mall or, you yes. know, go, to go out for a walk, but you know, is afraid of strangers, you know, it's, it's more that than I think what the, what the villagers are putting onto the creature, which is you're a monster and we, we reject you just because you're different. Whereas with the bride, I think it was more like stranger danger, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) protect me. Uh, but she was only on screen for just a few minutes before, uh, the, the, the creature pretty much blows up the the laboratory. Yeah, she was, but she was scary when they had her in that black and white lighting, and she was screaming and that hair and, and that hissing that a, hissing that she did. They got that yeah. idea for the hissing from some geese that were near the studio. They they uh, liked the way that 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 hissing was sort of like frightening, and they they decided to use it for her. But again, was... the creature saves. Dr. Frankenstein says, yeah. you, you live, but we die. We don't deserve to live. And that, boom. Until, well, they don't deserve to live until he shows up in the next movie. Right, right. <laughs> I always liked the way they could resurrect it. Uh, I love the makeup on the, on the bride, too. I thought that was great. I love, the, I love that scar that she had that ran yeah. down her, her chin. It, it was very minimal, but it was, it was really effective. It was scary. So anyway, I, I uh, came away. Uh, have we covered the scenes, do you think? I think so. The, the, the major ones. I mean, that's the I end came of the movie. Away, I came away giving it a 9 out of 10. I, I gave it a higher rating than I did on Frankenstein. Man, I'm going to I'm gonna give another 10 out of 10. I, I think this is probably one of, the, one of the best movies that have been made and I know there's a few little things here and there. We didn't really talk about things that maybe didn't hold together very well, but uh, you know, there was. Remember in the first movie when the creature visits Elizabeth at the Frankenstein's manor, and I said that made no sense. Like, why would the creature right. be there? Well, and in how this did he mo- find it? And how did he find it? Well, in this one, the creature visits Elizabeth, but it made total sense why he was there. He was there to kidnap her for right. ransom. So you know, it was kind of the same scene but totally different setup and it made a lot more sense um I yeah I, I thought it was I, I gave it a 10 out of a 10 that's great because we haven't given many 10s no i think this is up there with the ones that we've used and given before well in our next uh, review coming up in a couple weeks we'll be able to enjoy the zany humor of our friends bud and lou now, when is, they meet is, Frankenstein. Karloff, is Karloff playing Frankenstein in that movie? 
No, he didn't play it. It's uh, I think Glenn Strange, I think, is the guy that played it. Karloff didn't think that that was an appropriate thing for him to do. He was in one more. I think he was in Son of Frankenstein, and then he was done with it after that. I, I think. think so. Yeah. But we have some of our favorite characters. Bella Lugosa's in the upcoming one. And, and uh, what's his name from The Wolfman? I think Lon he's... Chaney Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, yeah Jr. Yeah. So... That concludes our, are we, are we wrapping up here? I think we're done. Yep. That's okay. it. So you gave it a nine out of a 10. I gave it a perfect 10. And next time it'll be Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And we're one of my favorite movies. Oh, I love that movie. It'll be a lots of funny uh, dialogue outtakes from that one. I was reading where this author might've been that one of those books that I got said that uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is the funniest comedian horror movie ever made. You know, where they where they get wrapped up in all these kinds of things. Yeah, well, even even funnier than Young Frankenstein? I guess well, it's I kind of a it, different, different setup. I think he was thinking more in terms of, like, the comedy acts that made movies like this. Yeah. It's like a mashup of comedy and horror. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, well... Okay, well, until next time, that's Classic Movie Reviews, and I'm Matt Johnson. And I'm Bob Johnson. Thanks for listening to us, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs>